TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 499, and I'm Olivia, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Wadenopolis. Hi, this is Tom. I'm professor of cinema and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Yusun, calling in from Los Angeles, costume designer and TV enthusiast. Hey, this is Peter. I write for WhySoBlue.com, and I live in Hollywood. All right, let's start off with the news. Uh, I have very little because I didn't spend a lot of time, but the only piece of news I have is Dominic Purcell is leaving Legends of Tomorrow, uh, but he said he is open to come back for guest appearances. After this season. Right. But I kind of like, why is this show so on? That's, yeah. that's fun. Is it, though? It is fun. It's fun. It's I, yeah, fun. I think it's fun. I think it's fun. I think it used to be fun. I don't think it's really that much fun anymore. But, Tom, go ahead with your news. Okay. Amazon has cast Raina Hardesty in the boys' spinoff. Lord of the Rings for Amazon is shocking everybody. It's going to cost $465 million for season one, which dwarfs... Wow. Record currently, Game of Thrones, The Morning Show, and Mandalorian each cost fifteen million dollars per episode, but forty six point five million dollars—that's just crazy. One of my friends said, "Why don't you take some of that money and pay your employees better?" Okay. Apple TV Plus. Uh, oh, wrong thing. CBS has renewed a bunch of stuff. NCIS for season nineteen with Mark Harmon still. There is How old is he? Is he in a wheelchair at this point? No, he's still in decent <laughs> shape. He's not that old. Um, he's pretty old. But there's speculation that he might reduce his own involvement to not do every episode. Uh, and the show is still top rated. Blue Buds got picked up for season 12, Bull for season 6, SWAT for season 5, and Magnum P.I. for season 4. HBO has cast Fabian Frankel for House of the Dragon, the first uh, Game of Thrones spinoff. And Last of Us, the series, has cast Gabriel Luna. Hulu has acquired U.S. rights to the Tribeca documentary State of Texas vs. Melissa. Netflix has b- picked up Bridgerton for seasons three and four. Um, wow. SNL's Pete Davidson will play Joey Ramone in the, orig- in the Netflix original I Slept with Joey Ramone. At Showtime, Rob Delaney will join Shweto Ejiofor and Naomi Harris in The Man Who Thought of Earth. Stars has ordered a horror comedy, Shining Veil, vale, to see called Shining Veil to Series, with Courtney Cox, Greg Kinnear, and Mira Sorvina. And finally, Frances Fisher, uh, formerly of Watchmen, the miniseries on HBO, has been cast in The Sinner Season 4. Okay. I, I guess. Like <laughs> Let's move on to the shows. First up, we're going to talk about The Nevers, which is the new sci-fi slash fantasy show on HBO. Uh, the, that is at least the pilot is the brainchild of Joss Whedon. He leaves the show after episode six. 
Um, and <laughs> I was get got fired. Yes, that's what I said. And I was not that excited about seeing it mainly because I knew about all the behind the scenes stuff, so I wasn't really that enthused about it. So I didn't watch it until yesterday. Um, and I thought that it had a strong open. And I like the two leads, the two women. I like them a lot. I like their friendship. Um, and it it's basically world building. And I want to see where it goes. I mean, I think that the world that they're building could be very interesting. There's a lot of moving pieces, and I don't know where all those moving pieces are going. But I'm intrigued. I want to know. All right. Next. Um, I, well, I, I thought that it was, it was a really solid, well, I won't say really solid. There were problems with the, the pilot, but there was enough there for me to really enjoy it. First of all, I'm a sucker for steampunk. So anything like that is going to draw me in. Um, Whedon himself, not so much of a draw, but I, I kind of tried to divorce myself from, from the man and the product that I was watching I think that the the problems with the the pilot had to do with it was trying to do too much in too little time. They were just all these different threads and all these different characters, and they had to they felt the need to introduce them all at once. And and you spent your time going, wait, who is that? And and how do they relate to each other? And and how does this connect? And what? And but, ooh, I, but and I actually thought that that was interesting. But well, it's you know, true. the thing is. The thing is, they they eventually kind of tie up why this is happening by the end of the episode, and and that was actually spectacular. Yeah, I didn't know there was... I was like, ooh, a spaceship. I I didn't see that coming. And I love the fact that the second it crashes, everybody else just moves along and has no memory whatsoever. Right, yeah, I thought that was cool. Anything that happened, except, of course, for the crazy woman who's killing people because she thinks she saw God. Um, So, you know, but the thing is, I think what they would have been better served and it would have been a much more solid pilot if they had reduced the number of characters that we were introduced to at once. I think right off the top of my head, the, the beggar King and the mad doctor could have been left for lighter. We, we didn't need to try to integrate them in the very first episode. And I think that would have left more time for the other characters to breathe and for us to get a better sense of their relationship to each other and their how they how they interact. No, but I think I, I agree with you about the Mad Doctor, but I think the Beggar King works I because think I think you needed him because they were like, "This yeah. is how we're finding the people, and if we're finding them, who else is find?" Like that actually works story wise. I think that did work. I think I think he's critical to the story, but what I would have liked was like name dropping him so that it builds up the tension and the terror until we meet him. I get what you mean. See him, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's it's more of a thing. So so you know, instead of getting that over with in the very first episode, plus he's, he's yeah. Nick Frost, and how scary are you going to be by Nick Frost? You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> he's so cute. I love in all the other movies. Oh, he's adorable. When is he going to do something cute? You know, we got to go to the next person. Go ahead. Let me jump in since my my comments are consistent with Allison's. I thought, as a pilot, I thought it was a hot mess, mainly for the same reasons Allison. There was too much. I counted at the end. There are 12 main title lead characters, not including going to the supporting characters. And because it was so unfocused, 
I'm, I'm just like, I almost had whiplash trying to follow everything going on. Yes, I realize pilots are hard, but I think this would have benefited from somebody at HBO or if it was on another network. This is what network notes can help you do is say, this is unfocused. Why don't you start here, then broaden now instead of taking a shotgun approach? On the positive side, beautifully filmed, amazing production design, and I like the cast quite a bit. So oh, great cast. But I think personally this show will benefit once once Whedon is gone because and, – and a lot of his other shows, he cr- puts things in motion and others do a pretty good job, you know, keeping the balls in the air. But yeah, there were it, it was just so overstuffed. I, That's my I, biggest. I wanted to. Okay, sorry, keep going. Sorry. No, I'm, go, I'm no, done. go ahead, you hands goose, and go yeah. ahead. No, no, I, I, because I, I'm, I'll focus on some other stuff no one said yet. But I will. I have to give lip service to what everybody's saying because I'll change it just a little bit. There's no denying that there's too many characters. I don't even remember who the mad doctor is, like, to be honest. You guys keep talking about it. And I'm like, who, which one was he? Um, so I don't think anyone can deny it. I personally, and I don't disagree there were too many. I don't disagree that it kind of made it sort of messy. I don't mind only because my complaint has been of late, um, regardless of whether six episodes, eight or 10, everything starts out a little too slow for me. And I'm kind of okay with like spaghetti on a wall, if, if only for the difference. Like, I'm just kind of like, what is happening? You know, and that kind of sense, I mean, that kind of memory over, I mean, sensory overload was part of the like chaotic fun of it for me. So th- that's all I'm going to say. I will not disagree that it wasn't like crazy, but I didn't mind that part so much. I'll talk about the relationships because you, you know, everyone's mentioned that as well. I think the casting is great. I love the two leads and their relationship chemistry, you know, um, The Rookie, which is a show we all like, uh, had a great episode and its ending scene where one of the characters talked about how women, you know, just because we're like emotional or intuitive or we're whatever, whatever, I, I wish I went back to remember her quote about how it, it doesn't equal um, weakness, you know what I mean? And that we can recognize that, you know, there's strength in different ways, you know, and uh, it's not less but equal, just different. Because uh, that episode really dealt with women in the police force. And that literally came to mind when I thought about, essentially, in some ways, this is sort of like loosely, you know, it's structural. It's like a buddy film, a buddy cop kind of a thing, not cops, but sort of. They're solving mysteries, they're rescuing people. And what was very prominent to me was how strong these women are and how bonded they are, but in a very you know, and I, I, I'm using this word loosely just for time, like in a very feminine energy kind of way. It was not represent. It did not mimic like what we typically see as action hero buddy kind of stuff. And, you know, even the like holding hands moment that they totally focused on, you know what I mean? There were these little, you know, moments where I thought this is just truly kind of heralding and, and, you know, kind of focusing on what makes, I think, women great and and not weak. You know, it's a strength for them. So I thought that was great. Uh, Both characters uh, sort of in an odd couple way complement each other. So that was really great. Um, You know, uh, I'll I'll, I'll echo what uh, Tom said. It looks great. So for me, I thought that the two leads uh, really focusing their energy, them being strong enough to give us that, I'm so invested in them already and their relationship. And there's no sapphic kind of like a little bit, you know, to me, like sometimes that's sensationalized, you know what I mean? And it's just two strong women in their own ways 
you know, really supporting each other. So I find that a little ironic because all the news about Whedon being like terrible at writing women and him being misogynist, none of which I'll discuss or agree or, you know, or disagree with. But so that was really wonderful. And then the last thing I will say um, is that I do believe, like Allison, there's great potential. I am also a huge steampunk fan, like huge. And that's something we haven't seen in a long while. And what I've seen mostly is in movies. Last thing I think was a Badlands, right? Badlands, yeah. um, which was fun, yeah, which was fun for that steampunk, you know. And that was very heavily testosterone-y. So I'm really looking very. forward to this. Maybe, maybe <laughs> also they'll sort it out. Frost in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and... exactly. <laughs> well, let's move. Uh, exactly. Uh, next, next up, I want Peter. Peter, yeah. your comments, real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I, I, I understand Tom and Allison's uh, issue about it being overstuffed. I'd say, yeah, that's that's probably about fair. I mean, it's it's um, it's a pilot and everything. I also like the performances, and I got to say, I, I don't know how much this is a compliment. For Joss Whedon, but I gotta say, I even though I love Buffy and Angel and well, I kind of love Dollhouse, but I mean, like in general, I I'm a big fan of Joss Whedon's early TV work. I always think he does not know how to shoot tell like or or how am I going to rephrase this? I think the golden era of Joss Whedon stuff is like before television started getting really cinematic. So like when I look at Buffy. Yeah, they don't really have great shots. I like the show. What I liked about this was like, wow, this is a really good looking show. I was like, the production value is really good. The costumes are good. It's well shot. Like the compositions are really nice. I have no idea if that's just more a comp. If that's just more that, you know, television has evolved and you've got an HBO type crew. So I don't really know if it's a Joss Whedon. If I'm, if it's a compliment. Well, to he Joss he Whedon. did direct it, so he did. He directed it. So I was like, yeah, this is a. I was like it. It's a good-looking show, because I normally think, as much as I like his work, eh, stuff usually looks kind of just like TV, you know, old TV stuff. So um, my biggest criticism, well, actually, I'll, I'll make it brief. My biggest thing, which honestly is totally just a personal thing, is I'm the opposite of Allison. I don't really have an interest in this story. Like, I'm not anti-steampunk or anything, but I'm like, eh, do I need X-Men in the Victorian era? Like, do I need this story? But I thought, yeah, I thought it was fine. It's like a, you know, C plus B minus. So there you go. All right. Well, let's move on. And you, I'm in. I'll tell you that much. I'm going to keep watching. Me too. All right. But you didn't watch it. So you are in? I did just, did you, I guess you were not listening to the podcast. I just gave my review, Peter. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't my cat. Sorry about that. You're you're so Wow. Wow. All right. You've been upstaged by a cat. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'm giving it thumbs up myself. Um, Me too. Me too. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about The Rookie. Uh, and what the heck happened this week's episode? It was... Oh, it was... It was all personal stuff. It was like uh, Bridesmaid. It was like... The, well, yeah, it was the cool. Date, the camping date. Yeah, yeah. I really did like that... Oh, God. What is that guy, That cop's name? He got the day off and ended up spending his whole day helping the other one buy buy a dress. Good lord, I don't know who their what their names are. Right um, now, I'm blanking too. Um, but I thought that that was super sweet. I thought that super. just the fact that he spent his day off helping her buy uh, find the correct dress and then ends up becoming her bridesmaid slash bride man of honor. Man of honor. honor. Yes, the man of honor. <laughs> 
and he just took over for it. I thought that was super sweet. Um, and then Nolan, what was Nolan doing? He had, well, he helped. He helped solve the. Didn't he help solve the actual mystery of the bank robber? Oh yeah, robber the, yeah, the, the what well, the kids and oh, that's what I was upset about. Okay, so. Nolan, because he was going through something and couldn't sleep, he ends up investigating this case on his own time. He figures out that this guy who robbed the bank was actually being held hostage, and he figured out where the wife was going to be. He did all that work, called the other guys in for backup, and then they got medals. And I was yeah. like, how did they? It was him. He did. He figured it out. I was like, that's not cool. Um, he definitely should have gotten props. Yeah, he got no props. Both of them, I mean, granted, the two of them, off of his lead, found the little girl, but they wouldn't have even known that the little girl was missing if he hadn't done all the legwork. So I was a little affronted for him that, you know, he didn't get yeah, any props I, for I, that. I feel like that was just not even, not necessarily a plot device, but I do feel like they're trying to, like emphasize that he's sort of on like a, he's a downturn or he's having a rough time you know right. with his life and career like it would have been a little mary suey for him to and then get an award he's just you know what i mean like i feel like that's the energy they're giving him the only thing i'm going to say about the episode because you mentioned man of honor they this they've just they've done it right you know we talk about like not necessarily caring about the personal lives of whatever i've mentioned this a million times they do a great job of a of the cat you know all, the whole cast you know ha kind of having their storylines caring about all of them this entire episode, minus the, you know, the cursory, you know, cop part of it, um, did a great job having us dig into their personal lives. You know what I mean? The super tough cop going on a date finally, you know, in the it camping. And I thought it was cute. You know, they're drinking beers and the girls Oh, you mean uh, Nolan's, Nolan's boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nolan's partner. Yeah, Nolan's partner. So, you they're know. They're not his, he's still a rookie. She's not his partner. He's still a rookie. He's, she's yeah. his OT. Oh, right. That's right. Sorry. She's still his TO. So, so yeah. yeah. Right. So my point is they did, um, you know, they did, uh, you know, her personal life, which you would think would be kind of boring, but it wasn't, you it know what I mean? Cute. Like, it, it was really know, cute. Yeah. yeah cute. And she made a breakthrough. It's a big deal. It's the divorce and, you know, dating and, you know, all of that. So that seemed natural and fun. The man of honor thing, even at the end when Nolan has to deal with the, the reality of his son, not finishing college and, you know, that's all family crap, but I cared, you know what I mean? Like they brought his best friend back, you know? So for me, the show is really firing on all cylinders again, but, but they strange. Show. And I have to give them credit too. They did the whole, it they didn't call it white privilege. Exactly. But it was yeah. like, they were like, yeah. well, you know me and I'm a millionaire and I know your son. So I gave him a job so he doesn't have to finish college. And now he's going to be like a millionaire because he knows me. Yeah. And, and he they was like, they didn't quite call it that. But I was like, mm, yeah. okay. No. And there was another scene. I don't remember what it was, but they, they talk about it. Remember, they were like. No, I don't remember. Oh, no, that was a different show. But but my point being is um, they do. They We've talked about this also. They don't do full soapboxing, but they don't ignore the realities of right. what, either what's going on in the world and or. And they address it in a way that I think is really palatable. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's true. You know what I mean? So this show is the, the nuances, the funniness, the heart, you know, kind of thing. And then they give us the cop stuff. I really just think it's a nice, well-rounded show. Oh, and next week, the preview looks really good. I'm telling this to you, Peter, because you're, you, you kind of gave up on the rookie for a minute. Uh, they deal with 
um, his teacher who is teaching ethics and talking about Black Lives Matter and doing this stuff. And she's doing, she's, she's like campaigning for it. And somebody doxes her and like gives out her personal information. And she's got white supremacists like coming after her. And that episode looks crazy. Who, uh, by the way, she's in Castle with him. They cast her. She was she was in the last few seasons of Castle with with him, which I think is kind of fun. The, the I episode. saw the last few seasons of Castle. I don't know what you're talking about, but anyway, we'll talk about yeah, that. Alpha. We'll talk. We'll talk about our podcast because I don't know what you're talking about. Fine. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Zoe's extraordinary playlist, and this episode, I know. Yusin said that it was like one of the best episodes she's seen, so I have that in my mind when I'm about to watch it. And I was like, "Really? It's one of the best ones?" No, I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't say it was the best. I said I liked it. I liked it. For me, it was like I liked it the best of this season. Like I don't mean that like objectively it may have been the best. I just truly, really liked it. I haven't loved the show in a little bit. So for me, because I'll only just say this because I've been talking a lot. You guys go. Um, I liked it because I really, again, I like it when they involve the whole cast. So like, you know, it, everybody had like a real storyline and then the song, and then it was sort of like a mystery. I really enjoyed like with them and the board with the, I was like, whose song is whose, you know, and why and this. So there was like that aspect of it, which was really kind of really weirdly fun for me. Um, and last thing was, oh my god, that boy, that little kid, singing off camera. I was like, that's the voice of an angel. I was like, <laughs> Where did they find that kid? Yes! That was amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So that's what I mean by like all these little things made it so fun for me. So objectively, I'm not saying it was the best, but just all these little things. And I, I rewound to watch him sing again. And I thought, my goodness, you know, the voice, the acting, all of it. So it was very fun for me. I enjoyed the show a lot. I, I will have to say that I like the mystery of it because for the first 15, 20 minutes, I was like, I've got it. I think they're all singing her songs because I thought that that everybody was singing this because it was like really depressing. I was like, Oh, she's still sad about her dad. And so I thought that the songs were for her and other people were singing her songs. And then when they did the, what will the Fox say? I was like, I, I, when they did that one, I was like, I got nothing. I was like, I got nothing. I was like, I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> That was the one that blew my mind. Every theory I had just got blown out of the window. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on now. What you guys think? Go ahead, Tom. Tom, I want Tom. Go ahead. I, I thought I, I appreciated the mystery of it. For me, the revelation that it was the sister was heartbreaking. Oh yeah, because yeah. that's some, that's something we don't see a lot dealt with on television. Postpartum depression, which is right. real. Right, right. But um, I thought it was a solid episode. And and going by what Yusun said, season two hasn't been as strong as season one. I think part of that was the uniqueness of season one. And there have been a couple episodes in season two that were definitely dips, but they did win the Save Our Shows poll that uh, TV, I think USA Today or TV Line did. So it's it's the bubble show that people want to see come back. So do you have any comments about the episode? No, I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun episode. I mean, the mystery is what lured me in. By the way, that's the very first time I've ever heard what the fox what the fox song. <laughs> I've somehow managed to avoid that. All really? Yeah. Wow! Same here. Oh you, and, you and me both. We have that in common. What? I've really? Never, the only thing I've heard was was people going, 
not even the song, but other people going, what does the fox say? And I'm like, okay, fine. It's like, it's like the, the baby shark. I have, <laughs> I have yet to actually hear baby shark. You're I just lucky. hear other You're people lucky. go do to do to do, do. And I have no idea what that means. But well, um, that song is so nonsensical. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that song is. is I mean, watching him do it and get so into it. <laughs> I think it I think was my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, but I loved everything about this episode. I mean, everything was so cute. And, and I think, you know, when we're talking about this season having a dip, I think it's a lot of it, the fact that the first season was so joyous, even though you know, we knew what was coming with the father. Most of it was, was just so filled with joy. And this season has been, uh, a lot of it has been dealing with grief. And so I think that that's, that's reflected in, in the overall joy and fun of the series you know I, well, I think it's getting it's, it's definitely getting back to the fun now yeah but yeah and this episode i think was was mostly that it was it was mostly silliness and fun i mean from from going to the so-called psychic at the beginning which was hilarious <laughs> um to to having all these inappropriate songs having mo sing country that was um, so bizarre yeah yeah <laughs> First and last time we're going to see that happen. Um, but when they got to the end, I mean, that's the thing, because the rest of it was so light and cute and fun. Um, when we learn where that song comes from at the end, it just ripped my heart out. And and she sold it so utterly. Yeah. It was just devastating. Um, so it, it's I, I'm really interested in where they go with that. And how they address that issue in, in further episodes. But yeah, this episode was like absolutely A plus for me. Wonderful. Great stuff. All right. So I think we're saying thumbs up. Uh, oh, yeah. Next up, we're going to talk about Mighty Ducks. And let's start off with Peter because you've actually watched this one. <laughs> um, but I will say for Mighty Ducks, I like the third. I like that this episode is it the fourth. Maybe the fourth episode. Yeah. I like the fact that uh, he has not quite started coaching exactly, but he's definitely invested. Uh, and I'm talking about Emilio Estevez. He's definitely invested, and I think he's got a little bit hot for teacher coach thing going on, uh, which I, I saw that coming, and I like that they're progressing that in a nice little clip. But when they cast them as co-leads in the show, it's like, come on. Of course, you know where that's going. Uh, so, Peter, what did you think? You know, I liked it. I will say it is really weird how, um, or not weird, but I it is refreshing how, because I think Mighty Ducks is mostly made for younger viewers, they can tackle certain subjects that could absolutely get super dark, but obviously doesn't, because... I mean, basically, the this episode is that the girl who was on the Ducks is going back and forth. She hasn't quit the Ducks. She hasn't told her parents. And she's also trying to go to the to her don't bother practices. That could easily, when she confronts her parents and we see the pressure that, like, remember there's a scene where um, I think her, did her brother? Her brother, her? yeah, her brother got that, in. Right. Um, and so, yeah. like, you see how, like, the parents have set everything up for, like, their their kids' paths and stuff. And she obviously feels very trapped and she doesn't like this. I was like, man, on a different show, this character would try to kill herself or something. Like, this character would, like, get so dark of, like, you are controlling my life so much, I don't want to live anymore. 
but because it's this show, I was like, well, they're not going to go down that road. I was like, so when you get to the end, I was like, well, how are they going to do this? Because she, because I think it becomes a situation where it's like, oh, well, if the, if the mom's, if the mom's win, then I will, I'll, you know, then I get to stay. But if, if the ducks mom's win, then it's fine. And I thought they did a pretty good job where they do two things. One, Lauren Graham's character wins, but then she doesn't win on this stupid technicality that we as the audience are just like, oh, come on. Like, that's, it's just another, another thing to show how, um, honestly, just kind of annoying, like, the ducks are about winning and stuff. And it gives them, and then at the end, it gives a nice moment where the father to the daughter is like, oh, you know, like, I saw how happy you were. I saw the joy when she won and everything. And I was like, oh, that's pretty nice. But yeah, my overall thing was that I, I was just like, man, this really could be a this could really good dark, you know, with a te- with a young, you know, teenager feeling so trapped and stuff by her by their parents. They also dealt with uh, that other kid, the 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 goalie, how he yeah, yeah, but... I thought yeah. that was hysterical. <laughs> no, I, yeah, also, yeah. That was so cute. yeah, 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 that was good. Okay, somebody uh, else talk about that. Uh, go ahead, Tom. I I thought that was great. The thing with the cell phones, uh, just in terms of I'm teaching intro to media right now, and I I didn't make my students go without their their electronics, but I made them log how much they use them, and when they reported, they were embarrassed how much time they spent on the various media. So I thought it was a very nice, light way to discover, hey, human interaction's better than a screen. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, Yusin, your thoughts? Yeah, also just, um, Peter said a lot of the stuff I was going to say, but I'll go off of Tom. Besides the screen thing, that budding, like, preteen, you know, kids trying to figure out how to have a best friend, how to make friends, how to, like, bond you know and i mean it was adorable you know what i mean like it's been a really long time since i've either seen that or even thought about that because we have so much teen stuff teen angst this is preteen you know right. i mean the ducks are preteen this the whole show is preteen um i don't love the show but it's just so light and it's not even fluffy it's just so innocent i mean i guess fluffy but you know i i, I really thought i'm not gonna i'm only just watching for lauren but I'm finding myself not, you know, I'm like, it's just nice light. And if that, the, the, you know, the guy, the, that kid, I hate calling him that, but the chubbier kid, you know, um, when they, when he did the like army role, you know, his friend did it and then he did it and he just kind of weeble wobbled across the like, you know, <laughs> thing. and I just was like, Oh my God, you're so cute. You know? So that's kind of the show for me. And well, I, I like, I, I'll say is, I was going to say, I really yeah. like the moment where he's talking to the adult woman for the cocoa, whatever he's like, he's like, okay, so I want him to be my best friend. So is it, are we far enough in our relationship that I could ask him for a sleepover? Is that weird? Like he was asking, like, he was like, okay, this is my plan. I want him to be my best friend. So if I do that, like the fact that he was planning all that out, I was like, oh my God, like. Kids do that though. They do. They do. You know. I mean, I just so for me, finally, the show is kind of showing us the the adorableness of the kids. You know, and right. and and Peter's right. They could have gone dark. They didn't. It's not this kind of like show. A you know Disney what I mean? Show, and, yeah. 
Yeah, I was I was watching for Lauren, but I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that you know the kids are drawing me in, and it was very realistic having the the parent the parents be that way, especially Asian parents. Um, so for me, I think the show is gonna keep me. I was a little bit teeter tottering on this, you know. And the last thing I will say is, it was they did a nice twist. I mean, it stunk about her losing on a technicality, but it's like a nice way of not being like they win, like they blah blah blah. You know, it was like a nice trick to kind of be like yeah life is still kind of stinky and like you said the ducks really are kind of mean and lame um so that also i thought was a little bit less cliche which i give them points for all right let's uh thumbs up let's move on uh so next up we're gonna talk about legacies and this week's episode is mg and wherever that other kid is evan ethan something like that they're trying to be superheroes at the uh, other school, and, and complete with costumes, which is uh, a little ridiculous. <laughs> but they're like, let's be superheroes. And MG knows better, but he's just kind of going along with it. And then you have uh, the sisters, Josie and Lizzie. Josie's trying to get with her girlfriend, not girlfriend, girl she wants to be her girlfriend. Her crush. And then, yeah, her crush. Yeah, and then yeah, the huge reveal. But I have to say, the thing that confused me the most—they go to a school of supernatural kids. Why would Lizzie lie to her sister and not tell her that the girl was a werewolf? I don't get it. Like it that—that confused me more than anything. That the only thing I could come up with because I—I was confused too. I was like. I was like, this this should be a good thing. It's like she's yeah. not seen somebody else. She's just the a werewolf. werewolf. Exactly. Yeah. Every day. Like, why you know, is she I mean, lying? The only thing I can think of is that she's so scared of losing Josie as it is that she considers her girlfriend to be a threat and, and you know, someone who can come between them. Except, so that, she... except that MG knows she's a werewolf, too. It's not like... She... Uh, Lizzie, like uh, Josie, lives in oh, a but bubble. She, Lizzie doesn't. Lizzie doesn't know that MG knows. Yes, he does. She, uh, she yes, she, yes, she does. Lizzie knows she that does. MG knows because they were they fought the werewolf together. Remember? Yeah, but she oh, that's right. That's they right. fought. She had Rod. He, he had Rod. turned back. He had Rod. He turned back human at the time, though. So she she doesn't know if I mean they took. Oh, care she of doesn't her, know that MG knows know who that. it is. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, they, uh, right. Okay. You know, she was there when she turned. They weren't. They found her later, and then they took her back and took care of her. Right, and Lizzie right. does not know that. So I'm just saying that's just as, a I, bad I, lie. That's just a really bad lie. It's a really yeah, stupid it's lie. Weird. You know, it's, it's a scene show. Of course, they lie to each other. That exactly. gives out about dumb things. Oh, but that just seems really but dumb. That yes, was the only done. logic I could come up with is that she sees her as a threat and she wanted to, to like put distance between the two so they could be but closer the, but, together. But, that doesn't, but then that doesn't it, make it, sense it, to her whole rom-com board that yeah, they had going yeah, like on. She to get together. Yeah, yeah, like I, it, I, those two things yeah. don't make sense. No. Well, maybe we'll find out. I just want to say one quick thing because we're all complaining about like the school and we were like, who cares? And this doesn't make sense. They are trying and it is definitely working for me you know what i mean the you know she turns out to be a werewolf so there's that supernatural aspect he bonds super bonds with that his new best friend and you know what i mean like they are definitely making me care uh, and they are shifting you know the, the focus. focus right uh, yeah much, much more successfully that's all i'm going to say and about, also by you know, having like, the like, new principal be uh the other oh, assistant exactly. yeah yeah exactly yeah. 
Like it's making sense now, you know what I mean? And I'm okay with it. Whereas before I was like, I don't care. And what are they doing? You know what I mean? So it, they're, they're picking it up. They're figuring it out. I mean, they're giving it us what we were complaining about. You know, MG and Ethan's superhero thing is not going to end well. Oh, that's of course true. not. Ethan's that's totally going to get killed or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I did like the revelation, however, the, the, the Cleo's amuse. Oh yeah, but, oh, well, then, but, too, but I, my I question something up with her. Was she I, evil I, I, though? Was that an evil look? Was that an evil look at the end when he's like, I know what you are? And she was she was like, What did it tell you? And he's like, I know what you are, and she gives them this look. I was like, Wait, is Cleo evil? Cleo can't be evil. Like, no, muses aren't evil. I know, but the look evil. that she gave him was confusing to me. I was like, I couldn't tell what that meant. Well, because probably she already knew. I mean, you know, there's this. I, I think that she knew woman. that, but it's something that she tries not to to let, let people on. know, right? And it's and the and the thing is, everybody will want you to hang out with them so they can. That's do true. Best exactly. I, yeah, it's like yeah. being a rich kid at school. You, everybody else hangs on just so they can get. Uh, stuff, you yeah, know. yeah. So, I thought I thought it was it was a good episode until the lying of Lizzie at the end. Everything else, I really liked the episode. Oh, and what was with the creepy dude sneaking in their bedroom and cutting out their hair? Cutting off Liz, uh, Hope and Landon's hair? Well, that hair. looks voodoo-y to me. You so. know he's going to do some kind of spell. Yeah. Yeah, but why not just kill them? What? I don't get it. That's well, obviously sad. they're going to tell us. <laughs> it's a CW show. You think he's going to do anything that direct? Yeah. I'm just like, he's the bad guy. He has managed to get past their the school shields, because they have barriers. He got past the barriers, got into their bedroom. He has a knife. They're asleep. And he's like, I could kill you right now, but let me take some of your hair instead. Right. He's an evil hairdresser. That's the thing. <laughs> just wants to do a color job on them and get it exactly right. That's the problem. <laughs> All right, um, let's move, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Invincible, and this is a, a direct continuation of last week's episode and the first half of this one, or not even the first half, maybe the first quarter of this one. Um, Mark is in the hospital recovering from his butt kicked the kicking that he had last week, and yeah, half half the team or they're all they're all in the hospital. They're all in really bad shape. The mom figures out the deal. I have a question. Who here thinks the costume guy is still alive? No hands the, raised. The the, the 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 tailor. Yeah, the, the tailor. Who here thinks oh, the tailor yeah, is still I alive? He, I think that that last drink that he took was deliberately poisoned. Yeah. I don't I know if it dead. was poisoned. I think I he's think, just because well, he gave it a look when he he was he was like you know like he didn't want to show him being beaten up or something so he poisoned that last uh i don't know i mean he knows he, that, the way he looked at the bottle is the tailor I, knows he's I mean, toast the tailor knew he was toast well, yeah the thing, the thing is he knows that they're not going to betray him so i don't think he'd have to kill him i don't know I, you think he just went over there to scare the tailor and that he didn't kill him? I, you know, we just basically let him know. I know. Him, I know. Well, he should have known already because he was listening into their conversation. And one of the things the tailor said was, I'm too terrified to tell anybody. Right. Yes. Uh, 
so he he knew that this is a guy who's not going to go running off to to tell anyone. But I mean, I think well, he reinforced well, it with the I'm just going to randomly show up and give you a beer. <laughs> I'm going to show up and say something that you were talking to my wife about, quoting your line directly. Yes. Yeah. Now his wife I is know. another issue. His wife. I don't is know what he's going to do with his wife because she doesn't know what she's going to do. I don't think I don't think that he's a still. There's something. I mean, we, is the consensus is I haven't read ahead or, or or googled this to find out what the comic book's about, but we think that the Vitruvians or whatever the heck the planet is named, they they just go and con- conquer planets. Right, That's right, right. Thing. Yeah. So randomly killing people that you have a relationship with doesn't really. I mean, I think he genuinely loves his wife. I think I he do does. Too. I think so, he cares for his friend too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just don't. I don't know what he's going to do because he doesn't know what she's going to do. <laughs> so yeah. he's kind of stuck. Well, she, she wants to know what, why. Right. And I think he's going to have to come clean. Yeah. But I don't think coming clean is going to help. Like, no. so, so it's like, so what it is. It's okay, honey, we're just going to conquer. Con- yeah, I was like, if he tells her, we're I'm like going to conquer the earth. Extra terrestrial fascist, so. Uh... Yeah, telling her that he's going to come, con- that he's conquering the earth does not seem like something that would keep her quiet. Yes, and pass the coffee. It doesn't really work like. Yeah, it, <laughs> she's not the kind of person be... that would keep that a secret. Much... No. So that's he's going to have to, he would have to come up with a lie that fits. The evidence. That's what he would have to come up with. Yeah. I don't know what he's going to do, though. Nope. And killing the mom is a good way to get his son not on his side. This is true, which is why I think he's safe. Um, All right. Any other thoughts? Anybody else got any thoughts about Invincible? Well, we also had... Not the episode that dropped Friday? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because that happened in this episode that dropped Friday. No, the, the episode that dropped was the one with the, um, well, are we going to talk about the visit to the college? Yeah, that, that yeah. Ha- that's in the same episode. Okay, go okay. ahead, go ahead, talk about the college. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't like the, I, I didn't like that uh, his besties, uh, boyfriend got basically. Robicized, you know, right. Frid- fridged. Yeah. For lack of yeah. a better term. I think that that's a trip I would like to see go away forever uh, it was okay i don't know the the, the bad guy was just so uh, over the top one. No. yeah it well the other a... thing is is the the girlfriend her issue she thinks he's a coward she thinks he's a coward and i can sort of see that except that he was there for the first half of the fight he was helping like the yeah. first half of the fight he was totally there helping he disappeared and had a good thing he was like i went and got the cops so it, and he came back. It wasn't like he just ran away and was gone. That really felt to me like the script says so. Right, so, yeah. exactly. Because I feel like if I had been with someone, they were helping me at the beginning of the fight. They disappear for a second, but then they come back and they're like, "The police were right behind me. I wouldn't got them." Like I would have been like, "Oh, okay." You know, I wouldn't have thought you're a coward. I wouldn't have assumed that unless like. They disappeared and I didn't see them again until we got back home. And then they're like, I just ran away. You know what I mean? I think they were trying to deconstruct the old Superman trope where Clark disappears and Lois is like, where were you? And he comes back and I went to get him. It's like, which she never fell for in the old days because she figured right. out he was Superman. So. Right. And I feel, I yeah, yeah. 
And I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't think it worked by the way that the timing worked in the episode. Calling him a coward didn't quite work out. And also the friend's reaction was, oh my God, you didn't tell me. And he was like, and he was like, why don't we just tell her? He didn't say that. He was more concerned of how come you didn't tell me? And he's not worried about the guy's broken relationship. That also seemed weird. So all of it was just very strange. People acting not like people. Right. Yeah. I agree. Pretty much. I mean, it, it did. It did seem very, very false. It's like that. You know, they're deliberately putting this wall between him and his girlfriend because just because. Because so they I want one. They want him. Yeah. To, they're they're trying to force him to either break up with her or tell her. Exactly. It's so. and it's it's going to go one or the other depending on I guess who who they ultimately decide he's supposed to be with, whether it's it's her. Or, or now I've forgotten her name. The the redheaded one who can fly. Um, Eve. Yeah, uh, Eve. And it's so. It's, I guess it's just going to be a matter of who they decide he's supposed to be with, whether this resolves itself positively or negatively. But it did just feel like like very very forced and a lot of drama over nonsense that could. Yeah. You know when you can when you can fix things with a sentence. Yeah, um, it's you, you just start to get annoyed that nobody's doing it, especially because his best friend just found out, too. And yeah. I give props because his best friend just looked up and was like, Mark, like he had like the <laughs> costume on and his best friend was like, huh, Mark. Yet the girlfriend did not have the same realization. Mm-hmm. So that's just like, come on, guys. It's kind of like in the uh, ill-fated Green Lantern movie with. um Ryan Reynolds and the future Mrs. Ryan Reynolds. She takes a look and it's like, how? It's like, how can you tell it was me? I'm wearing a mask. I've seen you naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was cool. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, that that was not the best. I think last week's episode was definitely better than this one. So, yeah. eh. All right. Next up, let's talk about Mythic Quest. And this is Everlight. This is Everlight. Everlight. Well, what was cool with me is I had started doing my Mythic Quest rewatch. And so when Everlight came out, I only had like two more episodes to watch. So I watched like those two episodes and then went right into Everlight. And so I was in a nice little Mythic Quest bubble. And it was kind of fantastic. I really... Brad... (laughs) Brad's name was Brad from... Oh, what is he from? Not accounting. He's Brad from... God. Monetization. Monetization. That was like, is that your name? And everyone was booing him. They were like, that's your name? That was hilarious. Oh, my God. And he was so evil. Why is Brad so evil? But anyway, Tom, what did, what did you think of the episode? Oh, and also I'll... talk about the uh, open, what they had with the open. With, well, they... Uh... they... The open, they they kind of they have this CGI like from a video game, telling no, more, the legend. More, more car- it was a cartoon. It was a two D animated cartoon. It wasn't oh, was it two D. It was two D. Yeah. Okay, but they but they basically had this two D animated sequence telling of the legend of Everlight to that prepare was great. for to prepare for the uh, the main episode, where basically it's something they do every year to kind of get everybody you know to build team. I now need work. to see Everlight every year, just like we do like on Community or Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I need to see Everlight happen every season but the, now. The really cool thing about the episode was they specifically, this is their first day back in the office after the pandemic. 
Right. So, and their pandemic episode, by the way, quarantine is probably one of the. I think it is probably the best television episode that resulted from the, the COVID quarantine. Lockdown. Yeah. Because it's it's done via Zoom for the vast majority, but it's funny, a, a, a more than a little body because it's Mythic Quest, and then unexpectedly touching near the end. And uh, I love I, the gag of Poppy and and is it Ian? Ian. I Poppy and Ian being being king and queen and he's so used to saying I instead of we, we. <laughs> it's the same thing it's like you're right that's really hard to do to oh, is that your Australian accent is that your poppy Australian accent <laughs> <laughs> but um, no I thought it was a fun episode and he was the, the uh, they were initially you going forgot to who's, who that... did the voiceover for Everlight Oh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yes, that was nice. That was brilliant. I'm like, I know that voice somewhere, and then I saw the name in the credits. It's like, Apple's got money to burn, though. They can Mm -hmm. spend $15 million on a morning show episode. It's like, (laughs) Sir Anthony, how much will it cost me to narrate half an hour? (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll keep bringing the truck to your house, say stop with your... (laughs) Uh, Peter... Episode, and then... um, Initially, Sue was going cray cray with her axe, and she's paired with David. Oh my god, she's an insane person. How is she still she's, working there? She's nuts, but well, she must be quasi good at something. <laughs> and they paired the two uh, the two friends from testing together as a team as underdogs, and then Brad tags in as the bad guy. So oh, uh, such a bad it's tough guy. to go. Until Poppy re- convinces Ian that as king and queen they can fight because people hate Brad more than they hate. <laughs> well, I want Peter Peter to talk for a minute. Go ahead, Peter. What did you think? I enjoyed it. I've also been rewatching the first season right now, and uh, I thought it was terrific. I I didn't know what to expect because I loved the quarantine episode, and I knew that this was sort of they were calling this like an, another episode. It's like a bonus episode before this, the new season starts May seventh. So I wasn't sure if it was going to be another Zoom thing. And it's funny that they, like, went the opposite. Like, they, not only is it in the office like it normally, like the show normally is, but they do a lot of, like, yeah, a lot of computer-generated effects. And, like, it, it, it like it's pretty cool that I was like, oh, it's, it's actually, like, bigger than even a normal uh, Mythic Quest and I, yeah, I love the Anthony Hopkins. I thought that was great. Well, and um, I also thought that they they uh, who's the uh, the older guy, the the writer dude, F. F. Murray F. Murray Abraham. Abraham. Like I like that he's the only one zooming in because they're like out of an abundance of caution, we're gonna have well, him zoom in. I yeah. did like that. My only my only uh, thing that I was confused on, and it look it's a it's a sit it, this is a sitcom show, so you don't have to take any of this stuff seriously, um, but. The premise of the show is that basically, so they do Everlight every year, and like the employees really need this, and of course, Brad's always be, Brad's being a jerk and stuff. But Ian is like, well, he's like, I basically set up the. He's like, I set it up. I already know who's going to win. He's like, they think they know who's going to win, but they don't. And so, because remember, a part of the premise, a part of the script is that like. Poppy is excited and he's like, your management, he's like, you can't, you're like co-owner now. He's like, you, you can't be the victor. He's like, that cannot be. And so he's like, I'm the one who decides who wins. But then once Brad does what he does, and even when I'm watching 
the stuff with Rachel and everything. I was like, this doesn't look like it's orchestrated. I don't understand how, how he's orchestrated. And, I, and like, I, I said it's 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 also possible that it's Ian being Ian, where he thinks that he's controlling stuff and he's not really. That could be you're right. Yeah, he's all his right. ego may have more to do with it. Right, you're probably right. And I did love that at the end, the basically way to kill Brad was uh was essentially fireball. It's, it's fireball, but it's, it's the orange that he kept, that Poppy kept throwing and getting defeated by Ian. Oh my god! The, the, every funny. every single time, because she was like, "I could totally beat you," and she's like, "Fireball!" She throws it, he catches it, he always hits her in the head with it. Yeah. That was so great. That was so great. And the second uh, time, because she thought she got him by surprise the second time, and did no, no. Oh, and also, and also, of course, Joe, the character Joe, of course, like. She's not evil like Brad. She's kind of evil. She's a sociopath. Maybe she's it's a, yes. And for some reason, Joe doesn't bother me the same. I think part of the Brad thing is that it's it's the actor who plays Abed, and I'm uncomfortable seeing that actor play someone despicable. It's so weird to me. But yeah, Joe Joe revels in Everlight. Like she lo- she's you know her costume and like she's so into it to destroying everybody. Like which I, I she's like, I will bathe in the blood of my enemies. Yeah. And they were like, yes, you can bathe in it. And he was like, you can even drink it, though I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> that was pretty but good. I, I just wish that we didn't have to wait, what, three more weeks? We got a couple more weeks to go before we get to the yes, actual. Yes, I need more. More Mythic Quest. Yeah, I love the show. Yeah, so very excited. All right, uh, next up we're going to talk about, well, thumbs up, by the way, Mythic Quest. Uh, next up we're going to talk about Kung Fu. And we didn't talk about it when it premiered, so now there's two episodes. And... I have to say the pilot is definitely better than the second episode. Um, But the premise for all of those of us who are old enough to remember the original Kung Fu, um, the premise is nothing like that. (laughs) So take everything you know about the original Kung Fu and throw it away. And so the premise of this is it's current day and it's a young girl who is, she's Chinese and her parents sent her to China to do this conference and she thinks she's just doing some sort of science school conference but she finds out it's actually an arranged marriage thing and they did it because she's dating a a, a white guy at home and they don't want her to marry him so they send her to china to marry somebody that they would approve of and she feels so betrayed that she basically runs away from home in china and ends up at a shaolin monastery as you do because that happens. And uh, she ends up staying there for three years in training to be being a, Cha- a Shaolin monk and gets all her skills. And then, of course, they do the whole Shaolin um, uh, trope where your master is killed and you must avenge them. And all of that happens in the first <laughs> 10 minutes. But, I mean, that is seriously, if you've seen any of these movies, it's like all the stuff you see in any of these movies happens in the first 10 minutes. She has to avenge her master's death. She has an item that she has to retrieve. But then they send her back home to San Francisco with her family and all the the drama that she left behind when she ran away from home. So you've got the family CW drama of kind of a splintered family that you've got to kind of put back together. But now she's got these fighting skills that she can use to help people in the neighborhood. But she's got her overall mission and avenging the death of her master kind of deal. So 
on on a lot of levels, it worked for me that way because I enjoyed that kind of stuff. So I I was really into it. I really liked it. Uh, Yusun, your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about a few very specific things. Um, now, you know, one could argue that it's you know, well, you know, these are things that either only matter to you or very specific to you because I'm Asian, but I think that's important. You know what I mean? I mean, I, the whole point is to bring up that perspective. Um, so I do want to kind of hone in on that because I was very worried, <laughs> you know, I was like, Oh God, how are they going to, you know, how are, you know, how are Asians going to be represented and what tropes am I going to have to roll my eyes at? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, and I, I hearken back to uh, when Korean Americans were so proud of uh, when Margaret Cho had her like American show, you know, her, you know, sitcom, blah, blah, blah. I'm bringing this up for a very specific reason. In the end, critics didn't like it. Asians didn't like it, Koreans, because it really was so whitewashed. Right. And it, and it and especially because Margaret Cho was very famous for kind of really giving us insight about the culture clash of Korean and American. So I thought that this show did an excellent job. Um, the fact of the matter is, even though the children are very Americanized, the parents aren't. That's very true to, to how it works usually. Um, and that, uh, you know, that the, that the kids were still very you know much my you know uh in the culture so much so that the, you know there are still arranged marriages i thought personally that her running away and joining a you know a thing was a little traumatic you it know was a mean? bit like, it I was a bit it. i was like as you do you know I mean? right 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 yeah that's why i i mentioned it i agree with you i don't have a problem with that is what i'm saying that's the setup the show you know what i mean that's the conceit i don't care you know but so going back to specific things and also i was a little put off in the beginning like when i saw the trailers i was like oh god she has mulan hair you know what i mean i was like straight black middle parted i was like seriously you know and that like you know and it, you know the what association we have with mulan like she's kung fu this and i thought seriously she's gonna be a cartoon character but when she gets back home we see just how varied and americanized but just normalized you know her sister is <clears throat> represented uh physically very much very realistic she, you know, she's got longer hair it's curly it's you know these things might not matter you know, to non-Asians because they don't really think about it or recognize it. But it's a huge deal. I remember growing up in the 80s and 90s and really being either fetishized, right, or, uh, you know, uh, kind of really made to feel like a nerd or a whatever. My brother, men, male Asians tend to get it worse, you know. So I thought all of these notes were very good and realistic. Even the daughter's wedding, you know, was both Americanized, but, but you know, had a lot of Chinese culture, which is, again, very realistic. So so props to them for really trying very hard to do what really hasn't really been done, you know, either one way or the other. Listen, they're just like you. They're white people. They're Americans. You know what I mean? Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to see. That's not the truth. But yet at the same time, just showing very naturally and realistically. So moving on, I'll just say very quickly about the show. The fight scenes are pretty fun. Um, you know, I know for a fact, like, you know, I did a little research. She had absolutely no exposure to uh, any sort of martial arts whatsoever. I don't even know if she was a dancer because dancing does translate a lot. Uh, you know, uh, that Couching Dragon, Hidden Tiger, the, the main lead never had uh, had a fight 
you know, anything, but she was a, a professional dancer. So obviously the limberness, the legs kicking, all of that. So super props to her, because a lot of the fight scenes were pretty, you know, effective. There was one scene, though, glaring, where she does a leg sweep. She doesn't even make contact with the dude, right? And he, like, falls over. I had to rewind that, because I was like, did I see that? So, you know, it's not perfect, but for, you know, for her to have to learn that before the show, the whole show is about, you know, kung fu. So she needs to be you know, convincing, which I think she is. You know, um, I know she learned uh, Chinese Shaolin and a lot of the martial arts disciplines are, are, are different. So if I'm gonna give a teeny tiny criticism, I don't know if it matters going forward. I know a lot of it was shot. A lot of the stuff was uh, uh, below waist, you know, a lot of kicking, a lot of that, which is actually the easiest thing for people to kind of mimic. Her upper, you know, body strength, fighting, all of that was a bit weak. It was very obvious that she was kind of just being choreographed, you know? So, but, you know, it gave me enough stuff. I mean, clearly she's like a, you know, Asian equalizer. You know, the weekly conceit is gonna be, she's gonna rescue someone using her unique talents and abilities. That's fine. Again, that's the conceit of the show. There's a overarching mythical thing with, like you said, uh, I don't have a problem with that either. This is kind of what we knew we were getting, you know, with the, the, the Shifu dying and her avenging and all that. So it, I think it's it's really shaping up to be a fun show, uh, and I like I said I think the authenticity of it gave me more of a reason to 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 credit the show. I thought nice job guys, and you know if they go on and it's just sort of a classic CW show that isn't like super well written that's got a bunch of tropes, that's all right really because I you know I think representation is important, and I think they're doing a pretty decent job so far anyway. All right. Wrap it up. I'm just giving it a thumbs up. I'm going to keep watching. I'm enjoying it. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this is episode five. This is the penultimate. And it did not feel like the penultimate. It felt like, let's take a break. <laughs> and let's see what everybody's <laughs> doing at home. Um, it was strange because at the very beginning of the episode, the government steps in. Well, the very beginning of the episode, they take the shield, which actually that part was oh, cool. So good. That was actually so a good. really good fight. So them taking the shield from foe Captain America was actually pretty fantastic. And I have to say the trial, so the the trial of him when the, when when he comes back to the states and they tell him they strip him of his rank, they strip him of his all this stuff, and they're just like, "You're lucky we're not putting you in prison." Um, and then he gives a speech because they don't even let him testify. They don't even let him. I mean, he was absolutely wrong, but I feel it's weird that they didn't even let him talk at his own trial. I thought that was strange. I mean, they should have at least given him like, sure, you can talk, even if they had already made up their minds. Um, and... I think they were just worried what he was going to say. He he was already had in trouble because of you know. His actions. Public exposure. Yeah. Right, right. So, I, yeah, I think that that's what they were worried about, was it was going to be worse. And frankly, even without really giving a speech, he did kind of make it worse. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, I agree with some of what he said, which was that you made me. I am what you made me. And sure. and he's not wrong. And, the, and somebody pointed out in one of the reviews that the reason that Captain America didn't want to go with the Sokovia Accords, because he didn't want to be accountable to any government... He wanted to. He didn't want to have to follow the rules or follow the dictates of some government. He wanted to follow his own ethics. And this guy is so used to just following orders and following what somebody tells him to do that he doesn't necessarily even know what his own ethics are. And so that's that. I think was really important and really interesting. What the heck? Who is uh, Tom? I'm going to ask you this question. Who the heck is uh, Mary Lou 
Driver's character. Yeah, Driver's. Hydra for the win. She's a Hydra agent? Madam Hydra. Okay, so. She is, a, she is an antagonist. And here's the fun fact. She was originally supposed to be introduced in Black Widow last year. Oh, no. But so, that didn't happen for we will obvious see her reasons. again in Black Widow this year. Okay. So because I was like, but, uh, I was like, why are they introducing this character at the very end? When what? Like I was so confused. But uh, I just imagined like ninety nine percent of the audience suddenly reaching for their phones and googling, "Who going... is this person?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Am I'm I like, supposed I know to know? Is she important? <laughs> so, yeah, so, was... so she's I trying to remember that she was vice president. Like I just saw Veep. I just couldn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I literally was like, what's the vice president doing in this scene? I was really, it took me out. It took me out. I was like, what? And I was like, all right, I'll go with it. You know, and then I gotta remember realized, Gary okay. Shandlin recurred in the Marvel Universe as an evil uh, senator. So, yeah. <laughs> All yeah. sitcom stars go to the MCU to do evil. There you go. Just looking for Jerry Seinfeld now and finding out what part of Hydra he's part of. <laughs> But um, I the 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 part that I thought I did really like uh, Sam's conversation with the old Cap, uh, the old, old guy God, Isaiah like, Bradley. Isaiah Bradley, like that was a really cool conversation, and I did like uh, Bucky and Sam's conversation about the shield when they were practicing and they had a really good talk. That worked, but all the stuff with the boat. And trying to like rebuild the boat and hang out like that was just I was like oh my god people let's go like yeah I didn't mind I mean if, if this was long. yeah it was definitely I I think you know if this if this was like twenty two episodes long and we had a, 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 a an episode like this where everybody just sat around and talked out their feelings that would have been fine yeah but, but there's six episodes no the, yeah six <laughs> episodes and we are in the penultimate episode and there are. So so many threads right. that have been left, you know, just dangling. lying around dangling and and nothing's been resolved. And and I mean, they introduced so many things. Well, they technically they, resolved the Zemo thing. Yeah, but I mean, consider I how they did that. It felt like they ran out of time. Like, they, I mean, Zemo looked like they were going to, to they plotted out this really big storyline for him. Yeah. I mean, why else break him out and have all of this going on? And then, you know, they just, they catch him and they throw him in prison again, like, you know, in about five minutes. And I'm thinking, it's just, it's like, did we just run out of time? And I know, you know, WandaVision was supposed to be 10 episodes long and it ended up being nine because of COVID. I'm wondering if something similar happened with, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, that it was supposed to be longer and they had to cut things down and, and things like Zemo, and, and the connecting threads that should have been in this episode. Because uh, it did feel like a whole bunch of nice vignettes put together without connections between them. And and I think that that, that was just, that just felt like they were planning on more time, didn't get it, maybe for COVID, maybe for budget, maybe, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, and had to start editing things down. And a lot of stuff ended up on the floor and uh or having to be rewritten and this just felt simultaneously between you know all the 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 conversations that we had and i did love especially the 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 conversation between sam and isaiah um but i think there were these great moments but they were all just shoved together and and 
So at the same time that we had too much happening, we had also too little happening. happening. Yeah. yeah. I with Allison. I won't say anything about anything because about that because I agree with everything. Ditto, ditto, ditto. I just wanted to say a few things. I loved the Rocky montage of, <laughs> of training. Uh, a falcon like legit committing to it yeah and realizing like i'm not a super soldier and and they did that where he like missed the shield or like got knocked back and i honestly thought that i was like how is he going to be captain america he's not even a super soldier you know and he made yeah. that realization so the rocky montage works it's a trope but for me i had actually wondered because i know very little of, i mean i know more uh, you know about mcu in different pockets i i don't know anything about how he becomes or possibly becomes captain america that was my assumption that earlier in the series he would take up the shield when he refused it i thought oh well he'll eventually take it back and then it seemed like he's not going to so then i was like oh okay they're going in different direction so for me i kind of really wondered is he going to be and how are they going to what's the journey to him to accept it and do it and train for it and i thought that was all great it was very believable it was organic you you know we he talked about his hesitation he gave it back but it seemed very realistic to me and then how he realized okay i need to really prep for this if i'm gonna do it so i liked that aspect quite a bit um because it made sense to me and then the only other thing is, Allison, I so agree with you. Like, as the episode was coming to an end, I legitimately was like, how are they going to resolve this, you know, in you know, in one more episode? So for me, that was like a little like, all right, wait and see. You know, so I'm very worried that they're going to land the plane. But I loved the other thing I thought was very organic and believable was the complete breakdown of faux Captain America and that um, bonus scene we get post-credit. And they love to do this. They don't give you any for, like, the first six you know seven and then they just throw one in sort of like an easter egg when he was bashing that shield you know and and making it and he just seemed like crazed you know and kind of just he, that was also very believable i was sort of excited to see you know how they were going to develop him like it was the birth of the monster you know what i mean so i i kind of like the only thing i'd like to point out is he's using regular metal to make that shield so <laughs> yes so You're not gonna quite work i was that. like that shield versus uh the, the real Captain America shield is not going to do well. I thought that too. And in fact, I looked around and I thought, did he get a stash of vibranium? Like, nope. do you know what I mean? He's I, just I got regular metal that he's spray painting. It's the, the poor yeah, man's I, shield. I, I laughed at that. I feel like they did that on purpose to kind of show us that he's, you know, he's just kind of ragtagging it, you know, and fake, kind of like, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. I like the fact that he was he was he was um, banging his own metals yes. into the shield. Like this yeah. is who I am, you know. Yeah. This, is, this, is what I, this is what I've done. I um, thought it was. Well, I just want to go ahead, Sam. Um, you know how he's going to be Captain America. I think it ha a lot of it has to do with that suitcase that he got. Well, also um, I think it has to do with his confidence. He has to believe it up here. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That's the, I mean, that's, I think the whole journey of this, this series is yes. him getting to the point where he, he believes in himself enough that he can be Captain America. But I think that he's going to get like a, a special little Wakanda present inside that suitcase. That's going to confer essentially super Wakanda costume is in the gift. That's terrible. All right, Tom. Tom, close us, close us out, Tom. No, I, I will say it's unusual. There was such a lull because it didn't feel like a typical, you know, uh, second turning point for a three-act dramatic structure. I mean, yeah, there was yeah. so much downtime. 
which and it's, what's really weird is after last week's episode, Disney Plus puts out this. Oh, we have the mid-season trailer. It's like, dude, no, it's the penultimate episode trailer. So, um, but you know, I'm along for the ride. But b- between the Julia Louis Dreyfus uh, surprise and the fact that uh, Act Three is going to conclude with, I think the new Captain America and Winter Soldier taking down uh, the bad guys with U.S. Agent as a major spoiler. Oh, also, right. can we just talk about Sharon real quick? Because they're oh. still teasing whether or not she's the big bad. Oh, you she's absolutely I mean? the big bad. 100%. No, I, I think she is. I mean, I don't, we all I, don't, think... I think Julia Louis-Dreyfus, isn't, isn't it true that in the comics she's she's the power broker? She's referred to as the power broker at some point? No. I believe so. I, don't know. I have no uh... idea. I think that, that's supposed to be her. Now, whether she was on the phone with her, you know, whether that's the person she answers to, ah, that, right. that's another question. Sure. Oh. Okay. All right. I just feel well. I, you know what? If we had had the movies in the proper order, it wouldn't be such a surprise to have uh, her character. But as it is, yeah. it feels weird to yeah. introduce her at episode five. But anyway, all right. So let's wrap this up. I think overall we're sort of saying thumbs up, but it could have been. It was. It was a weird balance of the episode. Yeah. I'm Not sure, as yeah. good as the other stuff, but yeah, still still better than most of on TV. Yeah, there you go. Alright, if you guys have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter and sci-fi.radio, Weednopolis and iTunes, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye! Bye! Bye.